Good morning. Good morning. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the outreach that you just saw on the video. Um, we went to uh, both the North Island of New Zealand and to Papua New Guinea. And the goal throughout all of our outreach was to empower the natives. So, like, what good would it be if we, like, you know, prayed for the sick and healed them and, like, you know, preached amazing services, but then they left just as powerless as before. So our goal, as you saw in the end of the video, they were, like, them preaching and them doing the dances and them doing the skits. Like, that was our whole heart, and that's still my heart. Um, I'm going to be doing a school in, um, it starts September 18th, and it's a nine-month school, and we read through the Bible five times, and it's amazing. It's really intense. Um, but my heart is to um, empower others to really live this out for themselves. You know, it's not just special people who pray for the people and, like, see mountains move, all right? It's normal people like me. <laughs> okay. So um, um, one of my favorite things that uh, we did when I was um, on outreach was we held, like, maybe three, like, mini DTSs, mini schools, um, where we would teach the natives of the village that we were in, like, to hear God's voice. And so there was a point in that movie where, like, you saw them, they were, like, in, a, in two rows like this. They would turn with their back to each other, and they wouldn't know who was behind them. Um, and they would ask God for a word for them, and so they would pray. And it was so amazing. Like, God speaks to you, right? If, you have, if you're a Christian, you have Christ in you. You have the same power that Christ had in him. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. And you don't have to, like, beg for a word for him from him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to work through you. And so it was amazing. A lot of people got, like, the same word three times from three different people. It's just, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> um, and I just want to thank you guys, um, every single one of you who held me up in prayer. Um, you guys are the Royal Air Force, like, you know, in the battle of, like, you know, in World War II. Um, yeah the Royal Air Force of, <laughs> of Great Britain, right? They won the Battle of the Air before Germany ever overtook the island. Like, you know, if it wasn't for the Royal Air Force, like, the island would have been overrun. Like, you guys are the Royal Air Force. I just want to thank you for your prayers. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that um, you've empowered me with your spirit. Lord, that you've empowered me to speak and that you can empower every single person here to speak. Lord, we um, aggressively receive everything that you have for us. No excuses, no holding back. In the name of Jesus. Well, I'm glad to see that, you know, nobody brought tomatoes <laughs> to throw or pillows. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to start with my testimony because I think a lot of you guys uh, here don't really know me that well. So um, I grew up in a Christian family, and my lovely family is sitting over there. Um, I have amazing parents who love Jesus. Um, I went to a bunch of camps. I accepted Jesus in my heart when I was like five years old sitting at the table. But I kept, thought, I kept thinking that I had to um, re-ask him into my heart, like, oh, no, like I sinned. I have to like ask for forgiveness again. I mean, yeah, but like I kept thinking like I wasn't right with God. I wasn't as right as I needed to be. <clears throat> and I thought that God was looking for an excuse to punish me all the time so that, oh man, like in order to avoid that punishment, I have to keep asking him into my heart because no sin can be in my heart. So Jesus left and I have to ask him back in. Like, no, nah, that's not true, right? But I didn't know that when I was younger. 
And um, eventually I became tired of the whole game. Like, you know, my spirit knew that wasn't right, but I didn't know what was right. I didn't have anybody teach me. Like, you know, you don't have to ask Jesus into your heart over and over again. Like, he's there, all right? He loves you. <laughs> um, when I was 14, about, I was just entering high school, and I had been bullied when I was younger. Um, in my, I played hockey, and I was bullied when I was younger. And so when I started high school, I was sick of that. I just wanted uh, to be popular. I didn't care, um, like, what the cost would be. Um, the only thing I cared about was popularity and having people like me. And so I got, like, I got in the wrong group of friends, and, um, like, you know, boys, having boyfriends are popular, and so I had boyfriends. Um, but my parents had no idea that any of this was going on. Um, I kept it hidden from them. I was living, like, two lives. Like, you know, I'd come here <laughs> to church, and I'd put on this mask. Oh, man. Like, I'm such a good Christian, and my parents don't even know. And then I'd go to school, and I would completely deny God. I would completely deny um, everything that made me a Christian, because being a Christian isn't popular, right? And so this continued. Um, eventually, my parents found out, <clears throat> and they punished me severely. But even though they punished me so severely, my heart still wanted to sin. Like, me, myself, like, I still cared about my boyfriend. I still wanted to go to parties. I still wanted to do all these things. And so my plan was, oh, I'm just going to gain back the trust of my parents, and then I'll continue on how I was before. Um, and this mindset kind of continued until <clears throat> one night I was getting ready for bed, and I was in the bathroom, and my older brother came up to me, and he, like, you know, he starts talking to me about his life and about um, like his experience, and he said one thing that always, like, shh, like, always stayed with me, and I always share it wherever I go, is, you know, Abigail, there's been a time in my life where I haven't followed God, but now I'm following him with all my heart, and the change is so different. How could there not be a God? And when he said that, it was like, oh, like, yeah, oh, man, oh, that's true, oh, man, and then, like, that was the night that I was like, okay, I'm done playing this game with God, I'm done playing with this game with my parents, like, I'm living for God for real, and I don't care who knows about it, um, he told me I would lose all my friends, and yeah, I lost all my friends, but like the, <laughs> the reward that I got, Jesus rewarding me with himself, it's so much better than any other friends that I had. <clears throat> and so I continued in that, although I still didn't know my identity um, I continued, like, you know, I was, like, living for Jesus, and I was trying so hard to please him because I still had the old mindset, like, God is mad at me, and he's looking for an excuse to punish me. God doesn't even like me, and I have to keep trying, like, to serve him. I have to keep trying to do good um, in order for him to like me. I didn't understand that. I was his daughter, and I could just rest in that. Like, I didn't have to earn God's favor. Like, he already delights in me. Like, he delights in delighting us, guys. It's so amazing. Um, one of the most amazing things I learned when I was in New Zealand and I was going through the school was just, okay, think about this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I always just said that, just like, you know, everybody knows that <clears throat> prayer. But, like, how powerful is that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. <laughs> no, there's no sickness in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no sadness. There's no depression in heaven. His will is for his kingdom in heaven to come here to earth. 
and he uses us to partner with that. We grab hold of his will, he uses us and our prayers, comes together, and we get stuff done. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so, so exciting. But the devil, he's trying to get you to submit to his mindset. The devil is depressed. He's angry. He's suicidal. He's all those things. He's trying to recreate his mindset inside each of you. But we're not supposed to like, conform to the old world. We're not supposed to conform to this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Not the removal of our minds. By the renewal. <laughs> all right, this isn't like brainwashing. But, like, your brain's full of junk that you have to get rid of, right? There's a bunch of old mindsets, like, oh, maybe the wisdom of God is making me sick. What kind of twisted thinking is that? If you, many of you have children, would you give your sickness, would you give sickness to your kids to teach them a lesson? No. <laughs> no. Like, God is a good father. He's a good father. Right? And so, I love this analogy. Um, like, think of apples, right, and oranges and grapes, right? If you squeeze a grape, what kind of juice is going to come out? Grape juice. If you squeeze an orange, what kind of juice is going to come out? Orange juice, right? Now, if you squeeze an orange and grape juice comes out, would you not freak out? Like, what is going on? This is not how it was, what's supposed to happen. Why is it so weird for, why is it so normal for Christians when they're squeezed for something other than Jesus to come out? If we're made in the image of God, we are little Christians. We are little Christ-like ones. When we're squeezed, why isn't Jesus coming out? Right? Jesus comes out when we're squeezed. <laughs> like, it's not trying and trying and trying to love people. Love just comes. It's living out of that overflow. I ask God for his heart for people. And when you ask God for something, your cup overflows, guys. It doesn't just fill to the brim. Like he overflows your cup of love for people. I operate out of overflow. I don't operate out of like filling myself up. He fills me up and there's more than enough to share with everybody. I don't have the right to be offended by anyone because I am literally love to people and love doesn't get offended. Love, true love, doesn't need to be loved back. It doesn't need to be loved back. It doesn't expect anything from anybody. I, um, I was in New Zealand. This was our first day of outreach. We had just come from the airport. We were in Pack and Save. It's like the New Zealand version of Walmart, right? And I was just thinking like, oh man, God, I love you so much. Like, I can't believe I'm outreach. Like, this is amazing. And then I couldn't find the mustard. I don't remember what I was looking for. But um, I asked one of the employees, I'm like, hey, can you help me, like, find where the mustard is? And she's like, sure, it's this way. And as she was walking, she was walking with a limp or whatever. And me, it was not a battle of, like, oh, should I pray for her? Oh, man, I'm so scared. Like, oh, no, no. It wasn't that. It was just like, hey, I see that your leg is hurting. I still believe that Jesus does miracles and he wants to heal your leg. Can I pray for you? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I was like, okay, so then I released the will of the kingdom, the will of the kingdom, no pain, no sickness, no nothing, right? I just released the will of the kingdom into her leg. And she's like, what? And I was just like, does it feel better? And she's like, yeah. I was like, you don't have to play with me. Like, <laughs> like does it actually feel better? And she's like, yeah, what? 
And I'm just like, do you feel any sort of pain at all? And she's like, a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to pray again that all the pain goes away. Is that okay? And she's like, okay, whatever. Oh, yeah, first then I made her walk down the aisle. And like, you know, she's like, okay, it still feel, hurts a little bit. So then I prayed for all of her pain to leave in the name of Jesus. And she opened her mouth again. I was just like, is the pain gone? And she's just like, yeah. I was just like, what? Oh, man, that's amazing. And she's like, what? what the, what's going on? And she's like, I have to go back to work. And I was just like, okay, Jesus loves you. Bye. And like, it wasn't like me trying to rope her into this thing, right? Like it wasn't me trying to sell this to her. She experienced it. She experienced the love of God. She will be seeking after God. She will be seeking what happened to me. What happened to me? Somebody out there loves me. You can't blame healing on the person. It was not me, all right? <laughs> She's going to be seeking the cause of that, right? She had to go back to work. I'm not going to try to like convince her, right? It's not about convincing people. Because if you try to like convince people, if you try to talk people into this thing, then they can be talked out of it, right? They have to be the ones seeking. And so, this is so amazing. I was like thinking about that, like thinking about that healing. And I was like, man, God, that just felt so natural. It was just like, that was so weird. And he's like, yeah, it's natural. It's supernatural. It's so natural. It's supernatural, guys. It's amazing. It's so much fun. As a son or daughter of God, it's actually supernatural to pray for people and see healing. It's supernatural to pray for people and the chains of depression and anxiety and everything to break off of them, for mountains to move. It's supernatural. We don't have to beg God for healing. Did you guys know that? We don't have to beg God to move. He wants to move. He wants to use you to move. We don't have to beg him to do that. <sighs> It comes easy to you because it comes easy to God, right? Like, we renew our mind not to live by our mind, but to, so that our mind stops arguing with our spirit. Like, our spirit is seated in heavenly places. The spirit of God, like, talks to your spirit. It's amazing. Your spirit already knows what's up. It's your mind, will, and emotions, and sometimes your body, like fatigue or whatever, that get in the way, right? When we fast... We're like, okay, body, get into alignment with the spirit, right? When we renew our minds, when we speak truth into our minds, when we read our word and say, God, like, I need this to become my life, when we do that, that's bringing our soul into alignment with our spirit. That's bringing our body, like, you, shush, right? We're getting in alignment with what God is doing up there, okay? We're partnering with him. <clears throat> um, and so... I'm just going to share one example really quick. Um, I love this analogy, too. It's not, like, the perfect analogy, but just imagine, like, a father, right? And they're holding their son, and they're like, oh, they're so cute, right? And then the baby poops all over itself, like, out of the diaper, everything. It's gross, <laughs> right? He's not holding it like this anymore. He's holding it like this. Like, it's still his son. The identity didn't change, but now they're covered in poop, right? A lot of times when we cover ourselves in poop, we get so, like, oh, man, and then it's just it's covering our arms and everything, and it's everything that we can see, and we start telling, like, Satan starts telling us this lie, like, look at what you're covered in. Oh, man, like, you are poop. Like, poop is all you see. Like, that must mean that's what you are. No, my identity is still as a son or daughter. He still loves me. He still wants the intimate relationship with me. He's not just going to throw me away. Like, he still wants that, but in order to have the same depth of intimacy, like, I have to get cleaned up. And it's not like this thing of like, I just want to hold on to my poop. No, I get rid of that. It's disgusting. I don't want that. 
And his, when I confess to God, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all that poop, all that disgusting, nasty stuff. He is faithful and just when I confess. And his mercies are new every single morning. That means every morning I can say, God, I'm so sorry. That's not who, you, who you've made me to be. I'm so sorry. And I don't, like, try to get that poop back on me. It's gross. Like, I, I'm like, God, please, like, make me more like you, right? And he's faithful and just to cleanse me from all that unrighteousness so that the only thing that remains is righteousness, right standing with God, right? I can literally stand in the presence of God every single day, free of pain, free of shame, free of guilt, free of condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I can be in his presence every day, and I don't have to earn it. It's just the grace of God. It's the goodness of God. But then you say to yourself, oh, man, I just doubted. I'm such a doubter. No, you're a child of God. Oh, man, like, I just feared this thing. I'm like, like you are not your sin. You are not what you do, all right? Even if I do good things, even if I heal people, I'm not a healer. Even if I evangelize, I'm not an evangelist, all right? I am a daughter of God. You are a son or daughter of God, right? What you do is not who you are. This is all wrapped up in sonship, daughtership, guys. And then the enemy tries to speak to you and be like, well, what about this thing and this thing and this thing that you just did? It's like, no, today I've been forgiven. Today I confess and I repent and I turn away from that. And he's faithful, guys. Today I have been forgiven. Because he didn't just carry your sin, guys. He became your sin. That's why past, present, and future sin is accounted for. Because he became sin. He became it. So don't have to worry about that. <laughs> all of our realizing who we are, all of our like sonship and daughtership, like realization, it's all about realizing who God is. It's all about realizing how good he is, what he's done. All of our realizing who we are is realizing who God is. Because if you don't know who you are, like knowing who you are is key. Because if I don't know who I am, if I don't know what I can receive, then I will not be able to boldly approach God and boldly represent him and wield his authority. That's why it's so important to know who you guys, who you are, guys. If you don't know who you are, you will think that the God who is fighting for you is actually fighting against you. You'll think that. And you'll be like, man, like, the wisdom of God is giving me sickness. No. <laughs> you, oh. It's not, God, please spare a morsel of your presence. Please heal this person. It's like, no, I am a daughter of God, and I partner with God's will to heal this person. It's not my will. It's not faith in something. Like, faith isn't this mental exercise to, it's not this believing in something. Faith is trust in God. Faith is trust in God. It's not, in the Gospels, Jesus never told his disciples to, like, believe in this miracle. He told his disciples to believe in him. Believe in God. Have faith in God. Not in this miracle to happen. It's faith in God. So I don't even have faith in my faith. I have faith in God. <laughs> right? Christianity is dangerous to the devil. Christianism isn't. Christianism, that's going through the motions. All right? I think we... We know what that means, right? Compromise, like gray areas. 
It's not about how much I can get away with. It's about how much I can surrender. It's about how much more I can get to know God. Right? It's not, oh, like, this is a gray area. I'm going to, like, get as close to this side as possible because, you know, technically I'm not singing against God when, like, you know, I don't actually commit the thing. It's like, no, that heart attitude is completely wrong. Like, gray areas become less gray with the Holy Spirit. If you ask God, God, how can I be more intimate with you? How can I have more of you? He will, he will answer. Like, you stop doing that thing. But it's a gray area. What did I just say? Like, it's not like this, it's not a bad thing. But, like, if we actually want to know God, we'll love that call to holiness. Like, it's happy holiness, guys. It's not an awful thing. Like, holiness isn't, like, this punishment. It's this reward of intimate relationship. It's so amazing. Christianity means that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to take on the image, the authority, and the commission of Jesus Christ, revealed to us by his word, right? Jesus is the word made flesh, and we, little Christ-like ones, were to become this word, this word. Not just read it and use it to argue and debate doctrine or whatever. <laughs> like, we're to become the word. Pray and say, like, you know, God, my life doesn't look like what this says it needs to look like. Like, help me to become this. That's one of my favorite prayers, guys, is help. Because <laughs> he always answers that one. Like, God, help! Okay, this is what you do. Like, <laughs> it's not difficult. I love that prayer. It's so simple. It's so simple. We need to, like, realize this for ourselves. Like, we can't expect everyone around us to see. We have to see. We have to know him. We have to walk it out. We need to pave the way so that others can see. So they can see your fruit. All right, don't try to sell your fruit to them. Don't try to sell it to them. Let them pick it. Live this out. Do you ever see an orange tree trying really hard to grow oranges? trying really hard to be a good Christian. No, you just love God, you love people, and you bear fruit. It just happens. We're not trying to grow fruit of peace, joy, whatever. Like, it just comes. It's amazing. So we renew our minds. Because it's not us causing the growth anyways. It's God causing the growth. It's God causing it. Don't be frustrated if you don't see the growth right away. I really think that God loves the process. He isn't, like, expecting you to go from point A to point B overnight or, like, in an instant. He loves the process because it grows your trust in him. It grows your faith in him. He loves the process of you growing. Like, oh, man, they're growing. Oh, man. It's not like, God, why am I not, like, a huge tree yet? I don't, I'm just so angry. Like, I just, no, 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 no. Like, he loves the process. He loves watching you grow. You don't have to be frustrated with where you're at. <clears throat> Like, I don't listen to my circumstances anymore. Like, I don't let them influence what I believe about my dad. I will never let my experiences, what I've experienced in my life, in El Salvador, in all these, like, places that I've been to, I will never let my experiences distort the truth of who God is. I will not define God by my experiences. I define God by who God says he is. What does the Bible say he is? It says that he is healer. It says that he is present. It says that he is provider. 
It says that there's so many, there's names of God in here, and this is why we need to read this to find it out. It's his character and his nature. We need to hold fast to his character and nature to see, like, what's available to us, in a sense. Like, okay, Dad, like, I rely on you, like, as my provider. Like, I know that you'll provide, and I just, I rest in that. I, the wind, like, pretend like, you know, we're in the boat and we're rocking in the waves, the wind or whatever, the wind is telling us, like, you know, listen to reason. Or it's okay to stress and worry a little bit. It's just common sense, right? I don't have common sense. I have uncommon sense. I have the mind of Christ. Right? It's not common at all. It's amazing. Although the waves rock the boat and try to intimidate me, and they try to make me lose faith by making it seem that Jesus is stalling or that he doesn't care about me, he doesn't want to save me, he would have saved me already. But guess what? I'm asleep in the boat. I am asleep in the boat. I have complete peace. And I can literally eat the feast that my father has prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. I can actually do that because I trust in him. I have faith in God. You guys can have faith in God. This isn't just like this fairy tale. Like, it's actually possible. Fear, anxiety, doubt all these things that try to get in my mind and try to make me believe lies about God, about who I am. I'm just like, I've seen you before. Whatever. I'm just going to eat this amazing feast that God has laid before me. <laughs> I'm safe in the hands of God. The waves, they seem so big until they're cowering beneath the feet of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's so much fun. I heard this story once, so I'm going to like share it with you. There was this rich man, right? And he had a huge house with 10 rooms in it, right? And he heard about this Jesus who could give peace and joy and abundance. He's like, oh man, I want that Jesus to be in my house too. So he's like, Jesus, please come into my house. I will give you one room of my house and you can stay there. And Jesus is like, thank you very much. So he goes into his one room, right? And this guy... At night, he hears a knocking on the door, and he's like, what's that? So he opens the door just a little bit. But how many know that when we give the devil an inch, he's already in there? It's the devil, right? The devil, this guy. He gets his foot in the door, and he plows his way over the man, and they wrestle, and this devil is pouring temptation over him, and they're struggling all night, all night. And in the morning, the devil slips off through the back door, and then Jesus comes down, and this guy's just like, he's like surprised, like, Jesus, I thought, like, why didn't you take care of this devil? Like, I thought inviting you into my house would, like, mean an end of that kind of thing. He's just like, well, you've only given me one room in the top half of the house. He's like, oh, yes, I see my problem now. I will give you the four other bedrooms in the top half. And Jesus says, okay, thank you very much. And then the next night, this guy is, like, sitting there. He's like, okay, all right. And then he hears a knocking at the door. He's just like... That's odd. And he opens the door. And the same thing happens. The devil pours temptation over him. They wrestle and they fight. And they're just in this like death lock all night. And the man is so weary. And when the light of morning comes, the devil slips out the door. And Jesus comes down. And the guy's just like, he's like starting to get like, a little bit irritated. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. Like, I thought you were supposed to take care of this. Like, why is this still happening to me? He's just like, well, you've only invited me into the top half of your house. And the guy's like, okay, I see. I see my problem now. I will give you 
all of my house except the room that I sleep in. Because the room that I sleep in has like, you know, secrets stuffed in the ceilings and secrets behind the door in the back of my closet. I will keep that room for myself, but you can have all the rest of the rooms. And Jesus, Jesus says, thank you very much. All right. So then night comes again, and here's him knocking at the door. He's like, oh, my goodness. So opens the door, and the devil comes in, and he pours temptation over him, and he pours all these nasty things on him. He's, like, crying, and when morning comes, the devil slips away again. And Jesus comes, and the man is just crying. You maybe see this at the altar sometimes, like, Jesus! Why haven't you taken this away from me? I thought I, I gave you so much. And Jesus is like, you can't be owning this house. You need to give the title of the house to me. You need to give me the keys to your house. And then it's just like, okay, I will trust you. Just one last time. He signs over the title. He gives the key to Jesus. And night comes, and he hears a knocking at the door. And this man, he goes to the door. And with his hand trembling, he goes to open it. But then somebody stops him. This is my house now. He flings the door open. And the devil's standing there. And he looks at the number. And he looks at Jesus. He looks at the number. Back and forth. Back and forth. Jesus number. Jesus number. He's like, I'm so sorry, sir. I must have the wrong house. And he bolts away in fear. Right, guys? We can think that we've given so much to Jesus. Man, I've given him my fear, my anxiety, and all those things. But we haven't given him our whole house. We still have secrets and little parts of our heart that we keep from him. He wants all of it, right? That little area, whatever, that you're holding on to. Like, no. <laughs> Just give it all over to him. Give it all over to him. And I love this uh, story in John 5. I'm going to open there. If you guys have your Bibles, you can also open there if you would like. Give me one second. It's John 5. It's where, uh, it's the healing at the pool. <clears throat> right. And it says in verse 1, uh, John 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Now, my Bible, I'm not sure if you guys have this little footnote, but it says, um, they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease he had. And I was reading this, and I was like, this is so odd. Like, what is that man saying when he's like, nobody helps me to get into the pool. Like, someone else goes down there ahead of me, and they're healed, but I'm never healed. Basically, like, I've been to many conferences I've been to many, like, healing times and things like that, like baptisms of the Holy Spirit, like just powerful, powerful nights. And basically what this man is saying, like, you know, 
I've been to where the angel like stirs the water, right? But every single time, I just miss my chance, right? So many times, like I've been to these conferences, like I just, I want a healing, I want to see something cool, I don't know, but I just miss my chance. It's like, Jesus is like, get up your mat and walk, right? Like stop complaining and whining, like I just miss my chance every single time. We're not going to conferences and looking to people to heal us. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, and he is the one that tells us to get up and walk. Jesus loves to move through other people. He loves to move through other people. But when you seek him and ask him to bring your healing, there's so much more glory to him in that, right? Because if somebody else heals you, you might get this like perception of like, they healed me, and then you start to worship them. Like, oh, I, th- I think that they're such a powerful person and I'm just going to follow them and I'm going to become like them but really when we ask Jesus he's the one that gives us our healing every time I just miss my chance he's here guys he's waiting right we're also going to go over to James chapter 1 if you want to open your Bibles to there I love this chapter so much so I'm going to read it real quick and then we'll go back over it Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, or patience, as the Greek word. I don't know, somebody told me that patience (laughs) is this perseverance thing. Perseverance slash patience. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any one of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. God is committed to bringing you through trials, but he's not the author of them. He's not the one who creates the trial. He's not the one who's like, all right, we're going along. Ha, you didn't see that puddle, did you? Like... No, he doesn't bring those. (laughs) He's not the author of these trials, but he's committed to bringing you through them. We live in a broken world. Like, it's just, it's how it's going to be. But we have the most amazing person who brings us peace. He leads us through them. He gives us help when we ask for it. He gives us wisdom, right? And if we lack wisdom, what does it say? He should ask God, who gives generously. He overflows your cup to all who ask him. Right? John, 3, John 16, 33 says, Take heart, because I have overcome the world. Right? In me, there is peace. In the world, there's tribulation. In me, there's peace. In the world, there's tribulation. We're in both at the same time. We're in him, and we have peace. There's tribulation, but it doesn't bother us, because we have peace. Identifying that tribulations don't come from God is so important, because I feel like that's, that's, that's one of those old mindsets. That's the old man trying to rise up. That's the old man trying to grab hold of your mind. But we're to crucify that old man daily. This is a daily thing, guys. What does it say here? It says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's not the building up of faith. It's the testing of it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Testing of your faith shows how much pressure it can handle. Like how many tons of pressure can your faith handle? And it will reveal to you where your faith is at. You will see that, okay, like, I, I need to grow my faith. Like, I need more faith in God, right? And he gives generously to all who ask. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's like 
you can tell like what muscle groups are weak, right? Say I have complete confidence that God can heal me, but I still struggle with fear. Like let's say that's, that's a situation, right? We can tell that those muscle groups are weak, right? Because sometimes we go through trials and that's what it reveals to us. Does that make sense? So sure, give it special attention. Let perseverance, let patience finish its work. Hold on, I want to make sure I say this right. Just finish its work, finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let it finish its work so you can be perfect and complete and not lacking anything. Peace as in wholeness, completion. It doesn't mean lack of disturbance. It just means that it's whole and complete. <clears throat> it's better to exercise before the race or you'll burn out, right? I think this is, um, I believe this is from Todd White that I got this one, um, but it's like, burnout is a life lived in its own strength. And that's been a phrase that I've been really thinking about, like, man, like, burnout is a life lived in its own strength. God gives us strength. He gives us overabundance. So yeah, when I try to fill my own cup out, fill, fill my own cup up, and it pours out and there's nothing left, that means I've tried to fill my cup. That means I've tried to run on the fumes that my whatever gives me, right? Like, God is the one who fills our cup, and it overflows. Like, we can't burn out if we have God completely filling us. <clears throat> Stay in the godly fire. Stay in passion with God, loving him, and then the worldly fire won't have any effect on you. Verse 5, one second. If any of you asks, lacks wisdom, he should ask God. This is the uncommon sense, right? Wisdom is uncommon sense. Right? We don't listen to the waves or the tribulations when they say that we need to worry a little bit or we need to do this because it's just common sense. Nope. We have the mind of Christ. We have wisdom. But if we lack it, we ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. To all without finding fault. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to identify to you what your struggles are. But if we're not asking God, we won't be... We won't know when he's, when he's like identifying those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. He gives discernment, wisdom, and abundance. He doesn't hold back because you haven't been spiritual enough. Oh, you haven't been reading your Bible enough. Like, I'm not going to give you any wisdom. Like, no. Like, we for some reason think that we have to earn what God already wants to give us. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> we think that we have to earn it, but he wants to give it to us. So when we want discernment, okay, God, what is holding me back from receiving what you already want to give me? When we ask God that prayer, he will answer, right? Okay, you need to stop looking at that stuff on the internet. We say, okay, great, I'm not going to look on that stuff anymore. I'm so sorry, God, right? And then he's like, oh, yes, that's amazing. That's amazing. He's not like, finally, like, when were you going to give that up? I've been waiting this whole time. Like, I've been expecting you to figure that out. He's like, no, yes, that's amazing. You understand now, right? God's not, like, expecting you to, like, already know better, right? That's, like, expectation. He's not, yeah, he's not expecting you to already know better, to already, like, have this thing figured out. He's not impatient. He's patient, right? He loves it when you learn. He loves it when you're figuring out who he is. He loves you walking in obedience, right? When you don't walk in obedience, yes, that's, that grieves his heart. Because obedience is a chance for greater intimacy with him. 
Obedience is a chance for you to step into more of what he has for you. And when we disobey, he's like, oh, but I had so much to give you. But I had so much that I wanted to learn you. To to learn you. (laughs) To teach you. (laughs) Many times, wisdom is like repenting, right? Like change. But it's not a prerequisite for wisdom. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we don't know the difference between the temptation or like the trials that we're going through and the wisdom that we're asking for, then we won't be able to like resist or yield. And that's the unstableness. When we think that the wisdom of God is making us sick or when we think that the trials come come from God, we're like, oh, I'm just going to submit to this sickness because God's punishing me for something that I've done in my youth. I actually heard a guy say that. I was coming back from a conference, and we were talking to this homeless people on the street, and this guy had, like, a very bad back. And he's like, God is punishing me for for the sin that I've done in my youth. It's like, God's not the one punishing you. Like, yeah, you might deserve it, but guess who paid a price so you wouldn't have to endure that punishment, right? It's not punishment. It's like, it's from the devil, right? He's not punishing you for the sin that you did in your life. He wants to deliver you from that. He sent his son to deliver you from that. You can have freedom if you choose it, right? But we won't know how to receive these gifts of God. We won't know how to receive righteousness or fulfillment from God if we're not sure that we can have it. That's why sonship is so important. We have a dad, and he loves us. It's not by anything we do, lest any man may boast, right? We don't earn this. It just comes from daughtership. Every person that you see when you walk into Walmart, when you walk into Target, every person that you see, they're called to be sons and daughters. They're made in his likeness, but they're living like orphans. We used to live like orphans, but now we don't anymore. We walk in the fullness of Christ. He's the one who paved the way for us. He's the one that paved the way we should live our lives. We're to be like him, little Christ-like ones. We're supposed to represent our big brother. When you ask for wisdom, receive it with thanks because you have received it. It may take a moment for your mind to catch up, but that's what faith is, right? I love this analogy too. Like faith is like a lasso and praise and thanksgiving bring it in. Faith is the lasso hooking on to the promises of God. When God promises something, it's ours. We just receive it with praise and thanksgiving and faith is the lasso. Faith is bringing it in. We don't have to beg it count it all joy it's already won even if it doesn't look like it's already won it's already won I remember when this young lady was going through that difficult time her heart was cold she she was really resistant to to love and care and uh but then a switch happened and now she's explaining it that night a switch happened and God began working in her heart and she made a decision to say Jesus here I am and I love that. And I think that's, that's, it comes a point where each of us can do that. And so if you want to ask more of those questions of her or why she did that or how that happened, just come and talk to her. And she can explain it. But I can also uh, confirm with you that the day she left to do 11 months in El Salvador was a time when Christy and I said, God's calling her to missions. We know it. We know that God has a plan for her. And she, she talked about a process She's been walking through that process over the last two years. And uh, it's been fun to watch. It's exciting to watch uh, students that, that choose Jesus over everything else. And uh, 
Sorry, I get a little emotional. I'm, I'm proud of her. I really am. I'm proud of her. I wish every student would walk in these steps. And uh, her, her next step, as she's shared a little bit, is a nine-month program in Montana where she's going to be doing a lot of Bible study. And uh, it sounds like she's already been doing a lot of that, but I, I can only imagine how much stronger her foundation with Christ is going to become as she does this uh, nine months. And then after that, uh, she's, she's going to be doing missions work, mm -hmm. wanting to go back to Papua New Guinea and, and to reach the people there, especially the children. She has a heart for children. If you've been around her, she is fun. She's energetic. Uh, she loves to interact with kids and do those things. And so uh, we see this fit like... God, you were doing something years ago. Making an offering to support her in, in uh, the schooling for the next nine, nine months, but there's also something else you can do. On the back table, um, before you go out the door, she has prayer cards that she has made that you can, uh, you can be praying for her. You can see where she's going. You can send her notes of encouragement. You can send her, I'm sure she'd love care packages, whatever in Montana. But there's also another card in there that... Uh, that she's looking for those, and, and I believe there's some in here that can start supporting her on a monthly basis. You can start now uh, to help her with her schooling, but then that support can continue when she goes and does missions in Papua New Guinea. And so you can grab one of those cards. You can pray about it. You can ask Jesus, God, what can I give every month to help this young lady uh, do what, she, what you've called her to do? And so we're going to pray, we're going to receive an offering, and then she's going to close, and uh, we're going to do some ministry together.
Who's feeling encouraged? Amen. Amen. So we thank you, Father. We thank you what you're doing in this room, what you've done in this room. We thank you that you've healed people already. We thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear. Yes, God, it's amazing. And God, we just give this time to you. We seal this up in the name of Jesus.